All right. One of the hardest weeks of the year for a pastor is the week after Easter. And we took the Easter family picture. If you didn't get that in and get it all over Facebook, did Easter really happen? Uh, but last week when we got home, uh, you know, it was one of those weeks where, you know, sometimes you, and, and I think everybody experiences this. It's not just pastors. You, you kind of felt like, well, that was it. Well, that was it. And, uh, as a, as a pastor or as a preacher, you know, I, I enjoyed every bit of everything we did on Easter Sunday, but at the end of the day, you know, it was, it was kind of that when you started to just let down a little bit is when, you know, the, the reality hit me that I didn't do anything on Easter. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that from a, a point of vanity as much as a, a point where I, I was walking the razor-thin edge between conviction and condemnation. And, and conviction comes from God of, you know, telling us that, you know, our, our actions or our behavior weren't completely in line with Him. Condemnation comes from the enemy where it's always in a negative tone saying you're bad, you're unworthy, you're... And the, the attack that came in that moment for me was you were about as useful today as a screen door on a submarine. And, and it was a, a real, you know, sucker punch that came in from the back. And, and, and I'll just be honest, it took the majority of the week for me to get out of that tailspin. You know, I, I was constantly going through what I call daily disciplines where I was still in the Word of God. I was still spending time in prayer. Uh, I probably spent more time listening to praise and worship music this week than normal. And it was a fight my way back to the light kind of week because... Uh, that was a, a really good cheap shot. The enemy is really good at cheap shots. And, and God began to open himself up in a, a different way, just little bits and pieces throughout the week. And, and I didn't have the, the whole picture of today's message until about Roston. Okay, so... If if I end up chasing rabbits this morning, it's in all fairness, it wasn't all coming together until about Roston, and and that's not comfortable up here either. But the this morning we're going to be talking about inner dialogue, and and the biblical way of of talking about that is the still small voice, and. And that is a, a reference from the Old Testament where Elijah found himself in a, in a kind of a moment that I, I went through this last week, uh, except he was in a cave. And man, it would have been great to just go get in a cave. Uh, I'm, I'm not lying to you. I like caves. Uh, you know, they're, they maintain temperature well. They're dark. It's a good place to go and just rest and get away because you can shut off all the noise. Uh, 
I'm weird like that. Okay, I like a cave. Give me a cave sometime. Uh, our bedroom at night is like a cave. There's no light. And <clears throat> last night it was not quiet. There was a wedding or a quinceanera at the fairgrounds. So it was a cave with Latin beat music. It was awesome. <clears throat> but but I, I was trying to get a, a picture in mind of what most people think about when they think about inner dialogue. And thank you, Disney, for Gronk. And my kids will all be in, and they're like, boom, we're zoomed in now. Dad put a cartoon on the screen. But most people think of this inner dialogue as, and people throughout time have called it your conscience, is your inner dialogue. But you, you get the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and they're both trying to persuade you to their side of the argument. Uh, I'll just tell you, in case you don't know, this will be the shocking moment for you. The guy dressed in red with the pitchfork, that's you. You and your own self will naturally lean towards what is the Bible calls your flesh and what makes you feel good and comfortable and powerful or whatever the emotion you tie to it, that's that guy. The other guy represents the Spirit of God who if you proclaim Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and He will try to guide you in the right direction. But if you don't have a healthy inner dialogue where you are interacting with the Spirit of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to be who He is, you're going to naturally side with your own voice. And people are like, well, how do I hear the voice of God? And we're going to talk about that this morning. But I'll tell you this, when it comes time to go buy a new vehicle... Don't ask God to guide you on that because you're not going to listen to him anyway. You see the new truck, you want the new truck. Well, the voice in my head says I should get it. Well, of course it does. That's your flesh, you ding dong. Of course you want the new truck. It's bright and shiny and new, has four-wheel drive. It'll keep you in the lane. That GMC they keep advertising that has Super Cruise or whatever on it, that terrifies me. I've seen enough science fiction to know when you let the car drive itself, bad things happen. <laughs> I.e., just go watch iRobot with Will Smith. You know, he didn't get to slap Chris Rock in that. He slaps a robot. Anyway, but you, you go watch that and you'll see why I don't want a car that drives itself. But John chapter 4, verse 24, this is the reason I get up at 424 every morning, is God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That, that's my wake-up voice. There, that's the reason behind my alarm. The, the secondary alarm that goes off is at 434, where Jesus told his disciples, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Or what gives me life is to do the will of him who sent me. Those are my wake-up verses. I still haven't found one that's like 6 o'clock. I have an alarm for 6 o'clock, and that one's always to remind me either get out of the weight room if I'm lifting, or if I fell back asleep, it's, hey, get up. You need to have quiet time with the king. But 1 Kings chapter 19, and, and I'm going to paraphrase most of this for the sake of time. Uh, this is right after Elijah and the prophets of Baal have their contest and uh, 
most people skip over the ending of that because it's so graphically violent that Elijah slaughters all of the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal were kind of the pet religion of Jezebel. And, and Ahab went wherever Jezebel told him to, even though he tried at times to be good. His wife was always going to lead him astray. And, and Jezebel threatens the life of Elijah. And by proxy of that, Ahab threatens the life of Elijah. And, and they, they basically say, may God do to me what happened to the prophets of Baal if I don't do that to you. And... All Elijah was trying to do over and over was to bring the knowledge of Yahweh back to the kingdom of Israel. And so Elijah does what any sensible person would do, and he runs. And, and he gets near uh, a creek, and he lays down under a tree. And the, the word of God's really interesting here. It says, and he says, it would just be better that I'm dead. He's just done at that point. And I think I can relate with Elijah sometimes. You, you get to that point where I'm just done. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and he lays down. He falls asleep. And then the angel of the Lord shows up, wakes him up, and, and says, hey, you need to eat. You're, you're tired and moody because you need to eat. Eat something and, and take another little nap, and then you're going to continue on. And... And he leads him on to the mount of God, which is Horeb. And, and on that mountain, he finds a cave. And, and when he gets into that cave, the, the Spirit of God begins to speak to him. And he says, Elijah, why are you here? And, and Elijah gives this uh, drawn-out answer. And he's going to use this over and over. And it, it's not super important to today. But I want you to understand that that God is big enough <clears throat> to listen to your explanation. And, and sometimes God will give you just enough room to let it all out. And then he'll give you instruction to move on. And it's, it's something if you go through here, God never directly addresses Elijah's, all of Elijah's issues. But uh, in verse 14 he replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I, I, I used to make fun of Elijah at this point because he had such a great moment with God where you know, he, he got to be the instrument in God's hands to let God answer with fire. And, and then he got to slaughter all the prophets of the false God. He had that really great mountaintop experience at Carmel. And then at Horeb, he's being a whiny crybaby saying, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I want you to understand that the enemy of your soul will always try to convince you that you're the only one who's ever going through what you're going through in that moment. Like last week, you're the only preacher who feels useless on Easter. Being fair, I was there. And I was the whiny baby just like Elijah. And, and God continues this encounter with Elijah. 
and And it was really amazing. I, I jumped ahead because he gives the same account twice. Uh, but in verse 11, God tells him, go stand before me on the mountain. And Elijah stood there and the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. I think we know a few things about those. Okay, this, this speaks really to our situation in the physical. We understand that there was a mighty wind. We've seen it for weeks. And then there was an earthquake. In Oklahoma, we're starting to experience that more. Okay, I have beliefs that don't necessarily line up with bad science that's out there. Um, and, and then there was a fire. And all three of those, in the wind, in the earthquake, in the fire, the Lord was not in those. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. The King James lists this as a still, small voice. And the, verse 13 says, When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. We, we sometimes think that God is just going to scream into our life his will and his purpose and his plan. But never in scripture do I see God screaming. Never happens. That the, the God who is full of wrath, justice, and vengeance, who's also full of grace, mercy, and love, when he deals with his children, it's always in a still, small voice, in a calm voice. I'm still having to learn that as a parent because my booming dad voice is awesome. But he spoke to him in a still small voice and he asked him the second time, Elijah, what are you doing here? And, and I, I think sometimes if, if we would really get aside and, and let God begin to speak to us, he would use that same phrase, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing today? And, and Jesus in John 14, verses 15 through 17, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And, and we could unpack a lot of theology out of that in a hurry, and, and I'll break it down into its simplest form. The, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is how God draws us to himself. How he begins to, to speak to your innermost person and telling you that you need a Savior who is Jesus Christ. And he begins to draw you to himself. And then when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you declare him to be the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins and rose on the third day, and you declare him as the Lord of your life, the Spirit of God begins to dwell in you. Because that's what Jesus promised would happen. 
In John 14, verses 25 through 26, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We're going to come back to that verse here in a minute because as we look at the Holy Spirit and begin to see that that dialogue that Elijah had at the cave where he got to speak with, with God's presence right there. It was an external dialogue. We now have that as an internal dialogue with us and the Holy Spirit. You ever have a verse come to mind that, man, I haven't read that in forever and, and suddenly I got to go read it? That comes from the Holy Spirit. You ever feel led to just go pray with somebody and you didn't know why? That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's part of that internal dialogue. I wish it was an external thing where I just heard the voice of God audibly all the time. That would be amazing because I would not confuse that voice with any other voice. I wouldn't confuse it with my own voice, which is the struggle of Christianity sometimes, is does my inner voice line up with the voice of God? The Holy Spirit, the first thing that He does for us is He speaks as an inner witness or an inner knowing about God and our relationship with God. In Romans 8.16, Paul writes this. He says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. People, I've been guilty of it too, that we get caught up in our feelings. Well, I don't feel saved. Well, it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. You either know that you know that you know or you don't. And if you don't know that you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, there, there's no feeling in the world that's going to make that happen for you. It is a knowledge, and that deep-rooted part of that knowledge, according to the Word of God, comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness to you that you are, in fact, a child of God. And if we go on in Paul's writings, he tells us that through the spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption tells us from the depths of our soul that we can cry out to God as our Heavenly Father. In Romans 9, 1, Paul is beginning to give his testimony. And he says, I, speak, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. Okay? He, is, he is a witness to what God has done in your life. He bears witness. And, and we don't have time to just really break off and chase the fact that, that the Holy Spirit plus your conscience bears witness. You want to talk about a, a picture of inner dialogue, there it is. That when, when you say you're a Christian, the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, becomes a second witness, which is a huge thing in Hebrew culture. Go back to the Old Testament. You have to have 
more than one witness to be convicted of anything. I want to be convicted of being a Christian. My testimony and the Holy Spirit living within me. There's two. And if I go to the book of Revelation, who wrote my name in the book of life? Again, rabbit, sorry, chasing. Uh, the second way that the Holy Spirit, that inner dialogue begins to speak is through the Word of God. And, and a lot of people are like, that's backwards. No, it's, it's not. Because until you know Jesus, until you've accepted Jesus and the Spirit begins to indwell you, the Spirit of God is penetrating you rather than flowing through you. Okay, The Word of God is called to flow through us. And to bear fruit, which we can go to numerous examples. But in John 14, 25, we already read it. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. What did God say to us? I'm glad he wrote it down. I can't go to the store without writing it down anymore. I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older. If I don't write it down, I don't remember. Thank God he wrote it down. And that the Holy Spirit helps us find our way back to it. He speaks through leadings. And this is one people are not comfortable with. I don't care. God didn't call you to be comfortable. Okay, the Spirit of God, people get freaked out when you talk about the Holy Spirit. I blame King James because they, they kept going between Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. And just the thought of ghost freaks people out. Uh, it's the same thing. It's a spirit, the Spirit of God. He speaks through leadings. Now, if you haven't had the experience of the Spirit of God leading you to do something... Maybe you need to get a little more in tune with him because he will constantly be leading you to say or to do things. Romans 8.14, Paul says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, this is the one that slapped me wide awake when I saw it this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Ouch. Jesus was led by the Spirit. And, and He wasn't led by the Spirit for sunshine, rainbows, and cupcakes. He was led by the Spirit to be tested, to be tempted. Well, why has it got to be hard? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. How does your faith grow? Nobody wants to talk about that in James. We, we could go to James. How does your faith grow? Through perseverance. Sign me up. Sign me up, you know. How did the church spread in Acts, persecution. That preacher, don't preach that. 
That's the Spirit of God. That's the reality of it. We're, we're going to see more persecution as we go. If we're really in this thing to share the Word of God, we're going to see persecution. We're going to see struggle. We're, we're going to see, you know, if you think Disney's bad now, just wait. If you think this world's gone crazy, just wait. And it's not supposed to scare you. If it scares you, then you're not in the book. If you're in the Word of God, you'll see that I can't imagine what it felt like being bound up. And this is Old Testament guys who didn't have the Spirit of God in them to be tied up, hands and feet, and thrown into a flaming furnace. I can't imagine how scary that would be. I can't imagine it at all. I can't imagine the New Testament church where all of these guys who wrote the New Testament, except for one, they were martyred. And, you know... I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it took for Peter to tell him, hey, you're going to crucify me. And this is a strange request I have. Hang me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified just like Jesus. I can't imagine that. But the Spirit of God in me says, if that time came, you could do it. The Spirit also speaks as a check to your spirit. And, and this is one that we should, we should most tune into when we, when we carry that dialogue with the Holy Spirit. You want to start growing closer to God? Allow the Spirit of God to lead you away from some things. Even good things. Which that, that's kind of hard to put our thumb on. You know, maybe I shouldn't watch this show, shouldn't listen to this, shouldn't put that in my body, shouldn't hang around with that crowd, shouldn't, you know, we can easily see that external stuff. And it's the bad stuff, right? But what about when all these opportunities show up and you have to say, God, maybe that's not for me. You know, I, maybe I'm not supposed to give that person money. That, that's a hard one to choke down because a lot of times we, we feel guilty that we didn't go help that poor person out. And I'll just be blunt with you. Jesus was pretty blunt about it. He said, you'll always have the poor with you. If, if anyone ever thinks the ideology of socialism is going to work, it's not. Because Jesus said you will always have the poor with you. So there's my biblical argument to end socialism. But uh, <clears throat> freebie. But a check to your spirit. And, and this happens in Acts. And, and Paul writes about it. He says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. The, the most beautiful thing about this, and the most blunt way I've ever heard it preached, is when you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, He will give you grace enough to keep your mouth shut. And they were going to go preach the gospel. It's not like they were going to go say something bad or stupid, but the Holy Spirit said, you're not going to go preach it here. You, you want to talk about that autopilot we were talking about a little bit ago? That, that, that was going to keep Paul 
from going off into the ditch because the people in Asia at this point probably would have murdered him on sight for preaching the gospel. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Man, to be so in tune with God that, that you're on your way to do something that is, is good. I'm going to preach the gospel and God says, don't go preach it there. And you're obedient and you go the other way. But, but I really have to correct my friend because, because his ideologies are all wrong. He, he votes for the wrong party. And, and you, you can't do that and love God. And the Spirit of God checks you and says, shut your mouth. How? But he roots for the sinner. Check your mouth. <laughs> but, but, but. Check. We, we try to make, sometimes we, we try to make our relationship with God. So Sunday and, and 30 minutes a day or whatever you do, that, that we don't allow the Holy Spirit to operate in His fullness in us. And we wonder why we don't see the things, the fruit in our life that, that they saw in the New Testament church in Acts. Man, I... As I was looking at this, I thought, God, I want to be one of those guys that can lay hands on the sick and they recover. And, and immediately, he said, until you learn to, to talk and communicate with me, you'll never know who to lay hands on. People that are sick can come up and ask it all they want. But then you find people who are guilty of just seeking after the, the gifts and the blessings of God rather than the giver. I don't want to be guilty of, of, of being blessed with the gifting of God to just use it to the point where it becomes all about me. And the only way you get to the point where you can do everything that Jesus said you would be able to do is by being in constant communication with Him. When did Jesus heal people in His time on earth? In almost every instance, He is on His way to pray or on His way back from prayer. He was in communication with the Father. The next thing the Holy Spirit does is He speaks through quickening. And quickening, if you don't know, in the biblical term, is to make alive. If you read the King James Bible and it says quicken, it means to bring life to. In John 6, verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In the King James, it says the, the spirit who quickens your life. And uh, another commentary that I read on this said that, that quickening sometimes is just when uh, a verse jumps off the page at you. And something you may have read a hundred times and suddenly something jumps out that didn't make sense before. He said it becomes alive to you. It doesn't make you faster. I wish it did. I'd make you faster on the basis. Okay. We got a grant out of the back row. <clears throat> uh, he's not looking at me or it'd make him faster around the track. Yeah, if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the Spirit of God, it, it brings a, a quickening to our relationship with God. It makes it fresh and alive every day if we learn to listen. And, and the last thing is the Holy Spirit speaks through dreams and visions. And, and this is where some people get really weird with with it and, and I'll tell you if you eat pizza at the right time of night you're going to have some dreams and visions I've been there I mean some doozies but the spirit of God will also give you dreams and visions that are real and, and sometimes they serve as warnings sometimes they just serve as confirmation uh, Somebody asked me one time for a proof of that, and I said, do you ever have deja vu? And they looked at me like, oh, come on, that, we can explain that through science. I said, no, you can't. You, you cannot fully explain deja vu through science, but I can explain it to you through the Spirit of God, that sometimes God will let you see what he sees for your life. And, and deja vu, those moments that, man, I, I have not lived this exact moment before, but it feels like I've been here. It's simply God telling me I'm on the right path. Or God telling me, hey, wake up and pay attention because what happens next is really important. Or it's God checking me saying, this is where you need to stop before you do something stupid. I'm glad God makes room for my stupid, but God also gave me His Holy Spirit to keep me from blindly walking into my own stupidity. If you've, ever, if you've never been a victim of your own stupidity, just hold on, buttercup, it's coming. But the Holy Spirit was prophesied in Joel Chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, it said, And it came to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Rewind way, way back. When we talk about prophesy, it means speak the word of God. Your sons and your daughters will speak the word of God. Your old men shall dream dreams. I guess I'm getting there now. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. No exemptions. It'll come to pass afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What a, what a beautiful promise of the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm really glad that Jesus clarified more about the Holy Spirit for us, that, that He would be a comforter, that He would be a guide, that as we find out through Paul, He would be a check and a balance. And, and that leads me to our, our verse we're going to wrap it up with. I always wondered how praying without ceasing really looks. Because we're, we're told, and it's in the middle of a bunch of commands. You, if you go back to Thessalonians, it's good stuff. 
rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. And, and I look at all of those and it, it's like a clear-cut picture of what a constant internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit looks like. In another passage, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit being able to pray in groanings and utterings that express the fullness of, of our situation without words. And, and to think that Jesus allowed us to, to not have to find our way through this alone and, and to not like, be like the guys in the Old Testament where the Spirit of God had to come rushing upon them. But instead, we get that gentle, still, small voice that lives in us. That, that when we're mourning and we're grieving, it brings us comfort. When, when we're struggling and, and we're starting to step outside of the lines, He convicts us and He brings us back. He gives us the words to speak to people when we don't know what to say. It's a constant dialogue. And I've heard lots of teaching on internal dialogues this week, and I want you to understand that this is the most important of the internal dialogues that you have, is that you allow the Spirit of God to have conversation with you. And you let Him guide you into all truth. You don't take someone else's opinion of the truth to be the truth. I don't even want you to take the words I spoke to you and just take them as truth. I want you to take the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit teach you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Because He may take you deeper than what we got this morning. That's always my prayer with, with the Lord is that He would take me deeper every day. And it will make you peculiar. The Bible describes you that way. I'm really glad nobody's gone and translated that as weird. But it will make you peculiar because you'll be able to fulfill Scripture that says, be swift to hear. And I want to be swift to hear the Spirit of God when He's guiding me. Be slow to speak. That, that's a tough one. I'm good with words. Be slow to speak. And then the last part of that, it's, it's one of my life verses. It's be slow to get angry. We live in a world that's full of fear and anger. And if you'll be led by the Spirit of God who is a still small voice, You'll be peculiar because when everyone else is getting angered and outraged over everything, you keep it all together. You keep your cool. Doesn't mean you don't speak out against injustice. Doesn't mean that you don't stand up for the people who can't stand up for themselves. Because Jesus, the Spirit of God who lives in you, Jesus Christ Himself is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lions aren't quiet. Not real often. But the Spirit of God was given to us 
so that we can make it through. Because without him, and you see people every day that are without him. When they go through the hard things of life, it destroys them. They try and find an answer in, in something else, in an addictive substance, in an addictive lifestyle, in an identity they were never meant to carry. They, they try and find all the joy and the happiness that is a very, very short seasonal thing in the flesh. The, the Bible's very clear on it. It says that sin feels good for a season, but when it matures, it brings forth death. And you see these people all around us. But until we begin to really engage in that dialogue with the Holy Spirit and let Him speak to us, when He begins to speak to you and you learn to listen, He'll begin to speak through you. And when He speaks through you, lives will change. Heavenly Father, thank You for today. Lord, thank You that it didn't stop with just sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and, and raising Him from the dead. That, that Jesus, You knew we needed more. And You gave us the gift of Your Holy Spirit to allow us to, to fulfill John chapter 15 where, where we have that connection to You where you're the vine and we're the branches. Lord, the, the close personal relationship with you that allows us to bear fruit. Lord, where other people in the world know us because we, we have love for each other and love for you. And it's something so different than the world offers that they want it. God, help us to learn to hear you. To let us be led by you in, in ways that we never would have dreamed of. Father, let your spirit work through us in a mighty and powerful way. God, as we go out into this week, help us just to constantly be talking to you and listening to you. And just watch as you change the world around us through us. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.